Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Pull up a chair at punchboardmedia.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gumbo Live. Here's your host, BJ from Board Game Gumbo. Hey, Board Gamers, BJ from Board Game Gumbo here back with another episode of Gumbo Live. It's episode number 120 with special guest tonight, Dan Letzering of Letterman Games. Gumbo Live is the number one-ish, can we say that still? The Facebook Live talk show dedicated to board gaming. Our special guest tonight, Dan Lettering from Galactic Raptor and Letterman Games and the Breaking Into Game Sport bodca- uh, podcast. If you remember from his last appearance, he's got a million jobs and babies, so that, that's, a, that's a busy man over there. Board Game Gumbo, a proud member of Punchboard Media. Hey, check out some of our other fine members like Jesse and Melissa Rattled, Baton Rouge, I Heart Board Games. They've got a Twitch channel where they do live plays, Great unboxings. They discuss the board game hobby, and you might even see a movie or a sketch or a funny song, too. I Heart Board Games. Catch them on Twitch three or four nights a week. Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Hey, we've got a couple of quick show notes tonight. Thursday night, we've got a special episode. It's Gumbo Live Paint Night. That's this Thursday at 9 o'clock p.m. Central. Watch Bradley, not me, watch Bradley paint an ogre zombie live on the Gumbo channel. Courtesy of our friends at WizKids, that is Gumbo Paint Night on Thursday night. And also, if you want some of our Gumbo Live swag, we've got our Bure playing cards finally ready. Go check them out there at uh, Game Crafter. Uh, it's got instructions, so you can, you can learn how to play our version of, uh, of Bure, and that is going to be a good time. Hit us up on social media tonight, on Twitter or on Facebook, at Board Game Gumbo, and we'll be looking for your questions in the chat but hey, enough blather, enough of this sales pitch. Let's talk to Dan Lettering, our guest. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Steve, one of the easiest guests we've ever had, Dan and Nicholas Hugh. And I wanted Dan to come back and welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you so much, PJ. Yeah, I mean, that's really nice that you said that. Um, Nick and I had a lot of fun when we came last time. And it's always weird when there are two of you, you know, because you never know if you're going to talk over each other or what you're going to do. So it's nice to hear that it went well. It, it was clear from the show steve and i talked about it for weeks afterwards that you two have known each other a long time it was super smooth hey but just in case people missed that show give us the elevator pitch i know you get hit with those all the time who is dan lettering and what is letterman games sure well i mean you kind of covered a lot of it so i own letterman games and so we do a lot of family friendly um accessible games that are great for parents or i mean good to play with their kids uh we started localizing games this past year as well and um we do a range of games from really small little games up to big minis campaign games i also own co i co-own galactic raptor games with carla cop and we do mostly area control games very fancy yes there you go you got a copy of animal kingdoms right there we um i actually have the proof copies of our next release uh roar and right i got those this past week came out great and um so so we've been doing that for two years now and i co-host breaking into board games with ian Zhang and tony miller which is a lot of fun um yeah so that's kind of the quick rundown of what i've been doing all right, we got the name father checking in. Steve, what's up, Steve? You got yeah. to play Roar and Ride, isn't that right? We did, yeah. We played it online. It was very cool. Yeah. Me, you and Alex. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yep. Oh, no, yeah. I was going to say Carla designed that, and she did a great job with it. It's a really fun game. One of the games that you also designed is a big punchboard media slash draft mechanic uh, fave, and that's Matryoshka. Now, I've never played it. Steve, have you played Matryoshka? I have not. I have not. That's the that is one that you designed. Game? 
No, no, I didn't. Design. Not designed. I mean, uh, published. I meant to say, right? Yeah. So um, it was published by White Goblin Games in the Netherlands, and we localized it here in America. It was not being sold, you know, here, and so we brought it over. It's a great little card game. It's um, you're collecting sets of Matryoshka dolls, but what's really fun is every round someone offers something up to trade, and everyone makes an offer back. So you're trying to make deals with everyone, but you kind of—it's one of those where you have to make good deals and you have to be nice to people because they're going to screw you over if, if you don't. You know, so you so it really encourages like good trading and being you know really friendly and good with the people you're playing with, but not too good because you got to make sure you're going to win it too. Hey, it's a live show. we got some people checking in. Of course, the Board Game Ambassador, who will be on next week's show. She's running the chat crew for us tonight. What's up, Verla? She says, glad you're here. Verla, you got any questions for Dan? Make sure you hit us. Mm-hmm. Our favorite sailor, our favorite lefty rider, Patrick Newman. What's up, Patrick? Survived all the hurricanes. And Dan, there were a lot here in the Gulf Coast this summer. We, Did you get a lot this summer? Oh, we had to deal with so many of them. There's another we, one down there right now. There's yeah. another one. Another one. It was really windy yesterday. My daughters looked at me and they're like, Dad, is this a hurricane? I was like, no, honey, this is not even close. They're like, do we get hurricanes? I was like, no, no, we don't really. <laughs> Where do we get them? I was like, way down south. So Bradley is the one that's going to be doing the painting. But hey, Bradley's saying, Bure, learn how to lose money and your friends in one easy step. If yep. you don't know anything about Bure, Dan, are you familiar with Bure at all? No, I have no idea okay. what Bure is. Google, after the show, Google Bure and Washington Wizards. The basketball team, and that's yeah. all you, you will be fascinated. The okay. NBA is uh, most of the NBA does play Bure. They picked it up from some Louisiana players, and it's just it's all over the place. Kelly Jean says, Roaring Wright, she was one of your backers. Hi, Kelly Jean. Thanks for supporting us. Um, yeah, we did a lot of uh, live plays throughout. So if you you know didn't get a chance to catch it, we did. We've been kind of streaming some. We did some on Twitch, and we're always looking to play with people online too. So if anyone wants to try and play it before it's out, we're happy to try and run some online demos. It's kind of one of those like welcome to. As long as you have a score sheet, you can anyone can play it over Zoom or anywhere. So yeah, Kelly is in the Discord with uh, with Carla. Carla's little play test team, little test, yeah. you know, Discord test team. So that is a lot of fun. I'm hey, when you, oh, I was gonna say, Carla set that up for Letterman Games, Weird Draft, and Galactic Raptor, and I, I never use Discord. <laughs> I, I don't check it. I'm so bad. And so breaking into board games, we used to use Slack, and we switched into Discord, and I missed so many messages. And oh like, no! Right. I just, I. I I don't know. There's so many apps, and it's like the Discord's the last one I've adapted, adopted. So I really. I just, I'm bad. I'm bad. Have you, have you noticed that, especially since the coronavirus crisis, social media and all these uh, Discord and Slack channels and other ways of communicating has just exploded, Dan? It is hard to keep up. Yeah, it's been it's been very hard to keep up. And like I was saying, we were playing um, Roaring Right over Twitch, and we just decided to start building some Twitch channels because of that. It was we were looking for remote playing ways to connect with people and play games with them online and uh, do some live streams with that. So we kind of adapted that, even though it wasn't something we were really comfortable or familiar with. Um, but you got to you know you got to adapt with it, right? One of our favorite members of the Gumbo Chat Crew, Jay Bell, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, he says, "I also backed Roaring Right." Well, look, look at all the people that backed Roaring Right right here on the show. Thank you. Yeah, no, it, it did pretty well. It, was, it had a really good reception. You know, we never, you never know, especially mid-pandemic, how how a campaign's going to go. So it's really nice to see all the people who came out. The power, the power you, of the Gumbo. The power of the Gumbo. Of the when gumbo. you were on, when you were on the show, Dan, there's a couple of follow-ups I want to make. One, one of the ones you talked about was how tough it is to decide to push the button to print a game mm-hmm. that you've already sold out. You only had a few copies of Groves left back yeah. then. 
I was what you decide the other day? No, we haven't reprinted it yet because we have a lot of things going on that we're pushing. And I mean, we get asked about gross a lot, but yeah, it's a big investment to go back in without like, you know, running the Kickstarter campaign, you get a big pot of people, you know, are going to adopt, adapt it early and like get in on it. And, um, you know, it's like a sound choice to get into. Um, but you know, we don't know with the reprint. I mean, I think I'm trying to space it out such that it's got enough space from the original campaign. It can almost have a new life. There's a new community on Kickstarter. Um, we can reintroduce it into the hobby market with enough distance that it feels like it's releasing again. Um, but I was talking to, I, I think it was either my wife or someone else last week saying, like, it's one of those I really want to do again. And honestly, if I could find someone to connect with to, like, build a campaign and prep it, I'd be happy to probably do that again. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Gross, beautiful art. I haven't played it yet, Steve. Have you ever played Gross? It's got, it's got gorgeous art. You yeah. know who did that art, right? Is it Beth Sobel? No. Who Nolan, is that? Nolan Nasser. Oh, water. Nolan Nasser. Nolan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. No, no, oh, no. Nolan, one of one of the gumbo favorites here. We he's, love Nolan's he's art. Amazing. I love Nolan. Yeah. And, you know, he's such a good artist. I told him he shouldn't. He, I mean, I know why he stopped doing it, but he shouldn't. He's so good. <laughs> I know he's busy running his companies, but yeah, uh, he should, he we love great. when he does art. We sure. love when he does art. Hey, so another follow up, Steve. You got to go, but but this was last summer when we talked, and boy. How long ago does summer of 2019 feel, Dan? It was last summer when I visited with you and Nicholas. Yeah, I mean, I was. It, it feels like it forever. This whole year, 2020, has felt like three years. I mean, it's been unbelievable. We haven't. I mean, you know, no one's sleeping, no one's doing anything. I mean, it's yep. just life feels very slow moving right now. Tonight by well, itself last, is going to be a month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Last every day is like a month. So last summer you were getting prepped for a big convention, one that you liked, PAX mm-hmm. U. Yep. And Steve and Luke went to PAX yep. U last year, if I remember we right. We well, we, I'd like to hear now, now that you got to go. And of course, we didn't have PAX U this year. We're not going to have it. Yep. How was PAX U for you last year? How, how did you enjoy it? It was awesome. I had, I, I always said that that's one I'm going to try as long as they're hosting it to go every year because it was great. It felt small, even though it was huge. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was massive, but it felt not as overwhelming, right? And so we had a nice presence. We had a lot of demos. It was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, we connected with a lot of friends. It's not too far from me. So I was able to just drive there and do it all. And um, yeah, it was it was great. I loved every every minute of it. it. Was really really good, except for parking. Parking was so hard <laughs> in Philadelphia. Not at the place, but at our Airbnb it was just horrendous. But yeah, it was it was it was. Steve, great. you stayed in the city, right? We stayed in the city. We stayed at a hotel a walk away, so we had a garage, and Special that enough. made the difference. Um, that was. It, but I get what you're saying. It's big. But they do a good job of making the aisles really open, allowing access to the booze. You never really felt like you were being crushed. You had a, you always had a path to go to something mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, and we learned after that first day trying to find parking. We just left our car at the convention center over the long weekend and Ubered back and forth after that the first mm-hmm. day. Because we, yeah. we it took us almost an hour and a half to find, like, because all the cars were up on the sidewalks. And, okay. I mean, it was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that. It was weird. <laughs> Well, if you're selling somebody that hasn't been to a big convention, not not your local regional convention, which I love, but if you're trying to sell somebody on, you know, why to go to PAX U whenever it, whenever it reopens, what, what, what's the big sell? Why, why would people want to go? Um, for me, it felt really easy to connect with everybody, right? Like, so you, like you mentioned, the aisles were really open. It was easy to find booths and mm. to connect with the 
the publishers, right? And so, I, you know, I have a lot of friends who I met in person for the first time there, and it was so easy to find everyone, connect. Um, it was just really tight-knit, right? And um, just super accessible, I thought. Hey, our friend Hamu Dennis checking in. What's up, Hamu? Hopefully he's got power back down in NOLA because I know he lost power for four or five days. Oh, Hamu's man. the artist behind uh, yeah. Rap Gods. and Oh, okay. Yeah, Rap I know, Gods. Yeah, I know Hamu. Yeah. And uh, he was at PAX U last year, but he said they walked. <laughs> they walk. Yep. There's, yeah. there's. If you go back to Paxu's videos, there's some videos from Hamu where it's like the end of the day, and it looks like he's walked 50 miles. So oh, he's yeah. totally beat up. You put miles. You'll put miles on, and if you yeah, if you add you the, the shoe leather commute and then the way back, you're putting extra. Look, the reason that I ask these questions about conventions right here on the gumbo, um, we ask almost everybody these questions, is because I want you know kids someday to have a historical record of what board game conventions were so they can go, Daddy, Daddy, I used to hear about these board game conventions. What were they like? Well, way back in the day, we used to all get together with a thousand or more people. Oh, no. Well, before COVID came and stirred everything up, we used to do this thing where a lot of us got together in one small place and all hung out this close to each other. Look, I've told Steve a million times, I've never been a germaphobe in my entire life. I mean, I'll eat a sandwich off the ground. If the po' boy falls down, I'm just going to just eat it right. Not anymore. I'm like, like the thought of being around that many people. Ooh, yeah. So Hamu said that was definitely pre-COVID, and there, you know, our first packs the year before was fine, but half of our half of our party did get a concrud of some sort after it. They do have power, and he and he says, "Hey, Dan, good to see you again." So, no, I don't think PaxU has a water burger, uh, Patrick Newman. That's another great reason to come down to Louisiana, come to Sobo, our Southern Board Game Fest. You can get a water burger, you can get a Burger Smith, you can get some Boudin, mm-hmm. you can get some gumbo. I don't think they have any of that stuff at PaxU, but I'm sure they have good food. No, at but there was a lo- there's a lot of good um, Asian and fusion cuisine just around the corner. You don't have to go far to find good food. I keep hearing about this little market, Dan, right next door to the convention center. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you, I worked the, the Reading Market, maybe. Yep. And I didn't make it in once. I didn't go oh, anywhere. No. I know it was so bad. So I think in the mornings I pick up a quick breakfast at like Tim Hortons, just grab like an egg bacon sandwich. And then I had someone who was working in my booth, just pick up pizzas for everyone working in the booth. And we would just eat pizza in the booth and then I'd scrap for dinner. It was, it was, it was tough. Oh, yeah. I know. Got to enjoy the local cuisine. I tried to get to the market and it was closed because they closed, I think earlier, right? They weren't open past dinner. And so I would try and go and then they were already closed. So Steve, what did, what did Dan miss at the Reading market? Yo, Chase. Philadelphia is, um, along with New Orleans, one of the eatenest cities in the U.S. Um, different different kinds of food, but you definitely got a lot. You'll get a lot of um, local food there. You'll get a lot of the uh, the Amish and Mennonite markets. So you're getting a lot of fresh Ooh. produce and fresh meats. Mm. Um, it, just good, you know, good stuff. And you, you can't go wrong with whatever booth you swing. You swing a stick, you're hitting something good. I didn't even get a cheesesteak while I was there. Yeah, not one. Uh-huh. I know. I was so upset. I really wanted to, too. I was very, that was my most disappointing thing probably about PAX was like, that was, I just wanted, I didn't eat anything out really. It was bad. Yeah. We need to, we need to get him back to PAX U. We're going to make it happen. No, I just got to go to Philly, not for PAX U. That, that's the <laughs> right. right. Just make the trip. Yeah. BJ from Morgan Go. I've got my guest here, Dan Lettering. Me and Steve are talking to him about some spicy hot games that we've played recently. And one of those games that I want to talk about, I don't think you've played it yet, Dan, but are you familiar with Meeple Land from Blue Orange Games? Yes, I've seen it. I haven't played it, though. Okay. 
so Meepleland was on my uh, on my radar for the Eschen Spiel. You know, Eric does a fantastic job over at BGG putting together all the games that are coming out. Normally, I have to sift through fifteen hundred games to try to pick out the 10 or 20 that we're going to recommend to people, you know, because it's just overwhelming. There's so many games and a lot of people don't want to do that much research. So I like to put out some of the games that I find it, you know, find interesting. I put a couple of the big games that everybody's talking about, but you could find those from everywhere. And I'm always looking for other little games. And one of those was Meeple land from blue orange games plays two to four players about 45 minutes. And the hook, Steve, as you know, it's building a theme park and that right there, you know, I love theme parks and that's going to get me excited right away. I love Steam Park. I have found other theme park games not quite as good. I wasn't a fan of um, of Unfair as much as yeah. other people were. I was going to ask about me, Unfair. That one? Yeah, yeah. Just I wasn't I wasn't as much. It didn't really feel like I was building out a theme park. It felt looked just like a card game, which there's no problem with that. Mm-hmm. It's just you know that's what it is. Jay and I are supposed to get it played at some point, so hopefully I can get Jay out there. But it's a cool little tile laying game with a very light economic engine. So you are building out your little um, amusement park rides, and I love the artwork on the tiles themselves. Yeah, the cover looks kind of cartoonish, but but what's in the game has really cool art. You've got a wild mouse ride, and you've got the log flume ride, and all these different rides, and you got to spend money to get those. And as you spend money to get the rides, you're trying to invite the people, the meeples, of course, that's where Meeple Land comes from, right through your entrance and into the park. Certain tiles are going to track certain colors. The blues and greens will give you a little bit less points than the game versus the yellows and pinks. So yeah, it's kind of abstracty, but it really does have this feeling that you're building out the park because the walkways are so important. Each of the walkways have to be connected uh, from tile to tile. You don't want any dead spaces or dead ends because you're going to lose. And then at the end of the round, you're going to pick up one of those buses as you can see there, and the meeples are just going to get dumped out park. Here's a couple of things why I like it. Number one, they could have made a rule that you could only fiddle around with your park at the end of every round. And Dan and Steve, that means that everybody's got AP as they're crashing at the end of the round. And everybody's mm-hmm. ready to go. There's four rounds in the game. Right. Everybody's ready to go to the next round. Nope. The rule is you can move your meeples around anytime you want to during the round. And then at the end of the round, that's when you're going to score them. So I like, I like that. It gives you the ability to be a little bit flexible. You can buy little tiles that'll bring just one or two meeples in your park and move them out and shift them around. And why are you shifting them around? Because some of the attractions are looking for things connected to it. For instance, maybe a particular ride needs to have a bathroom next door to it. That wild mouse ride, <laughs> you're going to need to use the bathroom right afterwards. Maybe clean yourself up, right? So you, you, you have that one next to it. Maybe another ride has a burger joint and it needs that next to it. Well, the cool thing is you get those meeples and you can shift them around and keep an eye as for what the other players are doing. But as you can see, it, lo- it looks attractive on the table. It's super colorful. It's easy to teach. And if you like economic games, it's going to give you a little bit of that engine building, a little bit of economic. And just like typical Blue Orange games, if you're familiar with their line, like Scarabia or um, New York 1901, it's introducing big-time mechanics from a big-time game, but in a way, to me, that's family-friendly. Game takes about 45 minutes, so it's your typical Chris Kirkman one-hour wonder. Uh, you know, you can set it up, play it, and tear it down all in about an hour. Meeple Land, thumbs up for me. Not the greatest game I've ever played, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, theme parks. That is Roller Coaster Tycoon on a computer, and no one's gotten that one done yet. But on the tabletop, 
this is about as much fun as I've had playing a, a, um, a, a, a theme park style ride. A steam park might be you know, a good competitor there. So if you like steam park and you don't want that real time action, Meeple Land might be the one. Have you played any theme park uh, ride games uh, there, Dan? I'm trying to think. I mean, I think the closest thing I've played is not really theme park, but uh, Barker's Row. Right. Okay. Heard of it. Yeah. And it reminds me a lot of this because you're trying to draw meeples in, but they're more in the stands watching, right? But it's um, kind of feels familiar with the pulling the meeples in to watch the show. But other than that, I don't really think I have. Dean, sa- <laughs> Dean says, is this theme park in Meeple Town? Meeple Land should be in Meeple Town, right? Or you know what? Meeple Land should be next door have to, to Meeple Town. Yeah. Yeah. You would stay in Meeple Town. At the Meeple Town Hotel, you take the metro to get. You take the Meeple Town Metro over to to Meeple Land. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it. I agree with you, Dean. Tend to like Blue Orange games. I also like them. The production is always, you know, right on right on par. It looks great on the table. So, that is that is Meeple Land. One a new game from Blue Orange Games. Check it out. Two to four players, forty five mm-hmm. minutes. BJ from Board Game Gumbo. I've got my guest here. Dan Lettering, we're talking some of the spicy games that we've played recently. See if I can get the next one. Bradley brought over a copy that was really excited about at Essen. Rio Grande games, you know, for a person that's been in the hobby a while, Rio Grande always has those straight Euro games, right? Dour-looking person on the front, a picture of a beautiful European city in the back. They had those classic games when I was coming in. A lot of them have gone the way to other uh, companies, but it seems like Rio Grande is making a pushback again to get into that Euro space. And this is one, you know, when, when you're, when you think you have friends in the gumbo, this is the picture you send. <laughs> and this is the picture that it ends up with after the LSU uh, debacle <laughs> this weekend. This is supposedly your friend sending you the picture back with the score. I don't know. It's, Way too soon to see that picture, but yeah, never, never <laughs> wear something that is a monolithic color. You're you're a green screen waiting to happen. I know, but look, it's got the it's got the letters. How could he even do that? He's just Carlos is just too talented. But supposedly <laughs> Carlos is my friend. But anyway, back to Beyond the Sun from Rio Grande Games. Um, Beyond the Sun. It's designed by a newcomer to me, Dennis K. Chan. Are Are you familiar with Dennis K. Chan? He was a, a lot of buzz at Boston Fig, which I've never been to, but Bradley was one of the people that did the, um, you know, you can, you, can, you can get the video submissions and, and help them to decide which is going to be the hot game from Boston Fig. And so Bradley said, man, we have got to get a copy of this. And Rio Grande uh, sent us a copy of Beyond the Sun. It's got, I mean, I'm not going to say it's the world's greatest art on the boards. This is the deep space board that your spaceships, which are really dice, are going to explore and this is the tech tree board let's see if i can get up oh, oh shoot i don't have a copy of the tech tree board i thought i did nope the tech tree board is also kind of blase all of the art is but it the art is functional and what it really is is a sci-fi tech tree game you know there's i'm trying to think dan and steve i don't know a lot of games that have really done a tech tree well when you're talking about colonizing or you're talking about exploring in a small space, sure. We've seen the games the last three, four, five, six hours. Mm-hmm. I don't have the time to do that much anymore, right? Right. I want a game that's going to take about an hour. This one lists right at, uh, it says 60 to 120 minutes, but our play was, man, 70 minutes for a two-player game? 
it wasn't bad at all. Basically, what you're doing is you're a corporation, or you know, the theme's not that that important. You're some kind of some kind of sci-fi explorer, and you're trying to get your dice, which represent people and ships, out into this big universe. Take your board and upgrade your board, both in terms of population and in terms of ore mining, and get out there and learn the tech tree. At the same time, it's got those. You know, during the game goals, like a wingspan or any other type of engine builder, that if you do a certain thing like research your first level four tech, then you can put your marker on there and get points before the other players. So it's all about the resources. I got to stop showing that picture. <laughs> it's killing me. <laughs> it's all about the resources. But, but what I found is there's so many different ways to play this game. You could focus on deep space by exploring and colonizing those planets for big points. And some of those planets actually give you resources back or some cool things, you know, like uh, an ongoing um, a power or maybe uh, something else to do. You can go to the tech tree and try to max out everything on the tech tree. And look, the further we got down the tech tree, some of the powers were ridiculous, which, I mean, makes sense. If you played Age of Empires, Age of Mythology, any of those tech tree games, the further you get down, you're going to become more and more powerful. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not a big fan of the art. I'm not a big fan. But the graphic design was fantastic. The gameplay was super sweet. And it's got one of my favorite things. After the game, all we did was talk about what strategy Bradley used, what strategy I used. Mm-hmm. And I'm going home, I'm driving home, and I'm even thinking about what I would do on the next game. You know, is there any game that you and Steve have played that after you played it that first time, you're already trying to think of, man, what can I do better the next time? In other words, it wasn't just a turn and a burn. You really got excited by the gameplay. Similar one that's space themed and dice as ships would be for me quantum. Um, mm, when you play that. that, you're you're powering up your ships, and the the ship as the die. You never roll the die, but the, that keeps track of the power of your ship or the distance it can travel or or its um, or its uh, ability to fight. And that one has a lot of decisions. I would think, oh, I could have done that better, or I, oh, if I had changed that to this, I could have moved this here and taken that power. So there's a little bit of that that I'm thinking there. With um, that would be one for me. Dan? I'm trying to think the last time I, I mean, I played a lot of new to me games the past year. I think when I played like Quacks of Quedlinburg, I, um, I felt like after I left that, I was like, uh, like, cause you know, you just kind of jump into it and you start doing things. Yep. And, um, I think that was one of the ones that after I finished, I wanted to play it again. Um, I haven't really had that feeling lately though. It's been a while. <laughs> Scythe was like that for me. Oh, when yeah. I played yeah. Scythe and Scythe and Concordia were two games that the first time I played, Right afterwards, I was like, oh, wow, I kind of I know what I want to do next time. And you start kind of planning it out. You know, I love those games, Dan. Mm -hmm. So Victoria says for someone who's played (laughs) neither one of the games we've mentioned, which one would we recommend for two? Hey, I like both of them. I played I actually played both of those games at two player and they both play fine at two player. So Mm -hmm. the only thing with the two player on this one, on uh, the space one, Beyond the Sun, was it uh, Bradley can help us in the chat? Uh, you had to you had to take out some of the little tiles, and that was it. It was super super simple. Spencer says, "Hey, I'd recommend Meepleland." And yep, Meepleland plays Meepleland plays great at two. I enjoyed it more at four, but it plays it plays great at two. And for me, I think theme. I think Meepleland just seems more my kind of theme. It just seems fun. I like I, I like the the idea behind it. And for some reason, space games, I just can't get into them. I don't know why. No. 
I just, I don't know what it is. I look at them and I'm just like, yeah. It depends. I, I, I mean, I, I, I love sci-fi when I was a kid, so I get, I get excited. And I really, I really got excited by that deep space board. I can't even tell you why. Just sending the ships around, that was just, that was just a lot of fun. And that's Beyond the Sun from Rio Grande Games. Hey, we got Omari checking in. Omari says, Quacks is lovely at two players. I've never played Quacks at Quedlinburg at two players. That's interesting. I don't think I've played with two either. Wow, I never thought about that. <laughs> Dean wants to know, did we coordinate our uh, shirts, Steve? And yes, we did. What, we didn't talk about this, Dean. Steve, Steve, what are we wearing the shirts for, though? We uh, do we're, we're, uh, well, you want to you ruin the surprise? Yeah. Put it out no, there. No, 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 no. Don't say exactly why. Just what we're doing. Uh, well, we're going now to, you have to tell us. Now, <laughs> well, if you have an idea of what you don't want me to tell, maybe you should tell it so I don't know. Okay. We're, we're doing, we're doing, a, uh, we're just doing a video and, oh. and we want to do, do a video for, uh, to talk about our family plays games. I'll keep it, pre- I'll keep it pretty uh, simple. So are. let's do that. Yeah. Sure. And we're going to be talking about it. Our family plays games is an awesome, uh, Facebook and YouTube channel. Dan, I don't know if you're familiar oh, with yeah, them. Yeah, Nick and yep. Starla, big we're, friends we're of the family. show. We're family. We're both, we are both family. The, the people are coming out. I had no idea. I've never played it at two. I wouldn't have thought yeah. that it would have played well at two because there's, you know, it's push your luck and there's a little bit of interaction on that track. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have expected that. So, yeah, that is interesting. It kind of makes sense because you are drawing independently. It kind of makes sense. BJ Morgan Gumbo, I've got my, my guests here, Dan Lettering and Steve and I are talking about some of the spicy eye games we've all played recently. But more importantly, you were back on the show, Dan, last summer talking with Nicholas Yu about adventure tactics, and you've got mm-hmm. some big news for us. Well, yeah, it's on a boat. It's almost here. I know. This is I mean, we've been working on this so long and we've been I mean working on printing it for so long. And the fact that it's just done and almost here, it's just, you know, you can kind of just stop worrying so much i mean we were so much we were doing even while we were getting it printed so it's nice to just be done with it hey so people that may have missed the show though what is adventure tactics uh, nicholas you did a fantastic job of explaining it but give us the elevator pitch what is yeah, adventure tactics it was uh inspired by final fantasy tactics we really wanted to highlight the job class system right so it's basically a minis uh campaign game and so there's a campaign that you're going through it's choose your own adventure style and as you go through it's got encounters you'll hit along the way you'll fight a boss and what's great is the encounters are about 45 to 60 minutes so it's not like a three-hour investment for one fight and then you lose and you have to like do it all over again or something like that 45 to 60 minutes Um, and every fight whether you win or lose you level up and you can start branching but what's cool is it's completely freeform so you could go like fighter one then cleric then paladin then like fighter two and like i mean you could just as long as you meet the prereqs for the levels you're going through every every class has five different levels within it and it's just completely i mean there's an infinite number of combinations you can do every character they have passive abilities and as you gain them you can slot them in and out of your player boards to have different abilities each fight and um yeah, there's a lot of customization going on with that, so it's a lot of fun. So, on a boat, are you are you going to have? Is it going to go to retail? Can people still yep. buy the game yep. later? Yep, it's going to retail. It's big. It's like ten pounds. It's, it's a monster. I, if I remember right, there's over eight hundred cards in the base game. Is that right? Yeah, over eight hundred cards. It's. I mean, it's a mammoth. It's, and we had to make the box bigger. It was going to be twelve by twelve, and now it's like thirteen and a half by twelve. Oh wow! I mean, That's it's. A- 
it's big yeah. box. That's bigger than Empires of the North. I'm looking at a couple of boxes here. I don't. That's a big box, baby. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's exciting. There's a lot of content in there. A lot of uh, you know. I mean, it's just yeah, it's jam packed. Evan says War Mage. Now that's my style. There's a bunch of class on this thing. As I recall, Nicholas sent you a 20-page document fully realized with all the classes before you guys even started the game. Yeah, we we had a local uh event here and we we've been we had been friends for years anyway and we were just right next to each other and i was like you know it'd be cool a board game based on final fantasy tactics that was it that's like all we said and you all are both big fans of the game right yeah it was my favorite game and he when he when i said that he looked at me he was like yes and not even two days later he's like hey i've got an email here's my uh basic outline for the class system and i mean it's changed obviously since then but it was i mean all the classes were there how they were going to act their abilities and things were pretty realized from the beginning we just had to kind of adjust it for the the game once the game was made Uh, but yeah he he knew right away so we've done i mean there were 21 classes in the base game we have three classes in an expansion uh and we have more content planned. We have a new starter that we're working on, a new starter class. That's a goblin who is an alchemist, and they get potions. They can slot the potions in and out of their um, equipment slots. And so that's, you know, we're just working on more content for it. And there's so much that we want to do with it. So hopefully it's well-received so that we'll keep working on it. All right, so this was the picture that I had gotten way back when, I think it was during the Kickstarter campaign, Walk us through what people are getting inside this big. Look at the size of this box, Steve. Will the box look close? At the, look at the depth. Will the box close after you punch everything? <laughs> you know, actually, the box will close. It was it was tight before we expanded it, and then we made it much bigger. But we also added thickness to the cards, so they're going to fill it more too. So I don't know. It's, it should close. It'll be. Fine. Is it? Is that a campaign book down there at the bottom? Yeah. So at the bottom, that's the campaign guide. It's going to have how you progress through the campaign. And when you get to an encounter, it tells you how you set it up. So you're kind of in the guide you're looking at. That's with the boards you're using, where the enemies go. It tells you how many enemies there are for three to five heroes, their hit points, their behaviors, how they attack. And then every enemy has a deck of cards. And so you flip the card on their turn, and it tells you exactly order of operations, how they act. And you just use the guide to progress through that. And then if you win or lose, there are three different ways you could um, finish a fight. You either lose, you win, or you win with a bonus. So um, they have like a main objective that is when the fight ends. And then there's like a bonus if you can do it before the fight ends. And that's usually your make or break moment. You could probably win the fights. I mean, I wouldn't say no matter what, but going, you can't, they're hard. But but going (laughs) for the bonus is what's really going to kill you because you're like, this is totally doable. We can get it and like, you won't even be close. You're like, crap, we just have to kill them and get out of this fight now. Yeah. So um, so there's some really make or break moments with that and some tough decisions with how long to stay in the fight if if you're winning well or I mean, yeah, it's gonna be it's it's tough. And and this is an IP that Nicholas came. This is his world, right? He he's the world builder behind it. Yeah, yeah Nicholas came up with a lot of the world. We hired um a friend of the graphic designer who did the layout on the campaign guide to write okay. some stories. So there are three pages within the campaign guide. That's just story as well, just to add some more lore to it. Um, but Nick did the bulk of it. So how many classes all total will there be? So right now there's 24 and <laughs> then there are five levels within each, right? So you can level up levels one through five for each class. 
And then we've got three ready to go for an expansion if we get there. And Nick, I think Nick has a lot more planned too. So Okay. Steve, you had something? Verla has posted the uh, Kickstarter link in there already. Oh, so we'll, we'll refresh the uh, the message a little bit throughout too. Sure. Yeah, that is a and, and so if people want to get a copy of Adventure Tactics, I mean, there's a lot of game in this box. Uh, did, sorry, you cut out for a second. Yeah, it's, so if people okay. want to find this game, there's a lot of game in this box. How, how can they still get it? Um, it's available on my website right now, www.lettermangames.com. There's also a link at the Kickstarter for a pre-order through our uh, pledge manager, GameFound. Right. And so um, those are probably the two easiest ways right now. And then it's going to be in retail probably February, I think is what we're looking at for a release date. Uh, oh, so they can go right through their friendly local game store and they can, the game store can contact you and get a retail copy right there, right? Yep, and it'll be in distribution, so some might have it already. Yeah. Good deal. Nice. And that's that's Adventure Tactics, um, a potential for an expansion. When we talked last time, Nicholas said, man, I've already started writing it. Yeah, no, so we have one done. Um, we actually have three kind of things done for next. And so we one is just minis for all the bosses, and we'll have some expansion like encounters to go with it. But um, we've already got minis modelers working on the sculpts for those, and we have a mini expansion that just adds the new starter and two new classes and one more fight. Um, kind of like that hero pack, but a little bit bigger. Um, okay. Ready to go. So we're just kind of waiting to see how this goes. And I think we're planning on maybe a February, March Kickstarter for that. So, so yeah. Sure. When, you, when, you, when you've got a good world, live in it for a while. Yeah, that's what we're thinking. Yeah. I actually, I've been getting pitches and I just respond. I'm like, I'm not even expecting pitches anymore just because... I, we don't want to divert our attention away. This is kind of what we're really focusing on right now. And we just don't, I, I just don't have time for anything else really. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's adventure tactics, Domian's tower available in February. And if you get the game, expect that there might be some expansion content coming down mm-hmm. the road. That game is going to be fresh. Although I'll tell you, Steve, with all those characters and the campaign book, we're right. talking about hours and hours of gaming anyway. Yeah. So that is very sweet. BJ from Game Gumball, I've got my guest here, Dan Letzering from Letterman Games, and we're talking about some of the spicy-eyed games that his company has, including one that's really intriguing. Steve and I were talking about this in the green room before the show started, and that's Questlings. Tell us about Questlings. This is this is one that our family-friendly people, we have a lot of people from the Gateway and, and uh, Filler Games group, mm-hmm. might be interested in bringing to their kids. Yes, yeah, so this started, this is me and Nick Yu again. And um, so, the, so this is the RPG for it, but this started as a children's storybook, which, so we have a children's picture book you can see on the left of this image you're showing right now. So you want to be a paladin. So Nick, myself, and we have a friend who's, uh, uh, he's a, a fantasy author. And the three of us wrote six books. So there's paladin, mage, ranger, monk, bard, and druid. You can see them all in the picture there. And they're each going to have their own book, but they're all friends. They're kind of like a D&D party and they're all in each other's books. They help each other get through their things. Um, you know, their everyday life and their problems. And it's really, each book's going to focus on one, but they're kind of all going to be there to support each other. And since it was heavily RPG inspired, 
we I connected with Banana Chan. Um, we've been friends for a few years now, but we'd never worked on anything. And I was like, hey, we could really use an RPG for this. And she was really psyched about it. So um, she and I worked on a little bit, and then she brought Tim Devine in, and he's been doing a lot of development work on it, and it's been great. We've been having so much fun with it. We're going to do, I think this Saturday, a live recording. Or I don't know if it's going to be live, but we're going to do a recording of it with like my kids and his kids and do a big playthrough of it. Um, but the RPG... It's a lot of fun because so the books you can see there's like the kids and then the fantasy world that they envision in their everyday life, right? So the kid playing soccer and he's picturing fighting the dragons and, you know, um, doing these adventures in his everyday life. And so the RPG deals with that because it has a kid side and a fantasy side. You have a, a persona that for both. And then every location on the, on the map you're traveling to has like there's the school, but it's also the dark tower and the ice cream shop is also the witch's cauldron. And um and so everywhere you're going, you have these dual personas. They have different ways that you roll for, you know, trying to succeed. And it's a really cute little intro RPG. It's it's very, like, rules light and simple, but it has prompts, which is great if you don't have a lot of experience, say, DMing. It's like when you go to a, a location. Actually, my favorite thing they did is you pick a character, a player to highlight. So if, if it's UBJ and you're like, you really want to go to this one spot, the school or something, you go to the school and there's a whole list of prompts for, like, asking you about your like school life, what subjects you're into, what you're taking. And we would highlight you. You tell us about what your character is doing before we do the adventure within the school. And then mm. you go into it. So you're really kind of building the world and you're letting each player take their time to do their part of it, mm. which I think is, it's a lot of fun. I don't know of anything else that's out there that's like this. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. So like, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't played a lot of RPGs at all. So going to this, I had no idea what I was doing. And Banana was like, let's play the, like, right? Obviously, I wanted to play it as we were working on it. And I sat down, I was like, this is really cool. And I, was like, I, mean, I don't have a lot of reference to like, to base it off of, but there were so many cool things, like the highlighting of a certain player and the way they did the dual worlds. It was just really um captivating for me and i thought I, as soon as i finished i was like my kids are gonna love this too right. and i was like we gotta, you know once it's developed we gotta get a playthrough with all of them and and so yeah it's 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 a lot of fun so the rpg is coming out though it's not out yet right yeah so we're launching it on kickstarter in like two weeks it's oh, gonna nice. be the first storybook in the rpg and i think but, if it goes well we're gonna do like a storybook paired with rpg content like maybe the kids are on vacation or on field okay. trips and it's going to do different areas different prompts different things they can explore did i see but ages the, suggested ages on that so for the books we'd say like three to seven okay for the storybooks and for the rpg i'd say like seven or eight plus okay. um so it's kind of for, you know both of you have younger kids the storybooks are really geared for younger and then if you have a, a you know young, a younger but older younger kids eight and mm -hmm. beyond um, that's when they can start doing the rpg okay and this is the map that's going to be yep yeah so you can see each location has kind of a dual um side there's a, a, uh -huh. a side the fantasy half on it oh yeah i see it now yeah, of course. The jousting arena is also the sports field, and, sure. and so that's where the that's where the players are going to go on the map, and they'll have their their different adventures, right? Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. Questlings. It's both a children's book, a whole series of now those the paladin, the mage, and all those those are actually available right now, right? No, those are so the first book is going to be in this Kickstarter campaign as okay. well. So they're all yeah, they're written. We just haven't released them yet, so we're okay. They just haven't. <laughs> 
I mean, there's a lot of art going into these. And so really that's kind of what we need the funding for is that Jackie Davis is doing the art. She's amazing. Um, But each book has a ton of full page spreads and um, it's going to be a long time. You know, it's going to be a lot of work for her. I feel bad. I told her, I was like, if this goes well, I want to book you for like all of next year. And (laughs) she's cool. She loves this project. So um, so that's a lot of artwork. And the artwork that we've seen so far is fantastic. And that's, that's Questling's children's book and the role playing game. And it's going to be coming out on uh, Kickstarter in a couple of weeks. Is that right? Yeah. November Mm -hmm. 17th. Yeah. So yeah. keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is two weeks. Quick, quick question there. If Kelly Jean is still watching, I'd be curious Calvin's opinion about Questlings because Calvin apparently has been sitting with Nana watching the show. Um, <laughs> he's okay. he's glued. Yeah, this would be right up. Uh, that would be right up uh, Kelly Jean and and, um, and Calvin's alley, right? Young. A young son, young grandson, your daughters or your granddaughters, your nieces or nephews. Great little uh, gift for them that you can actually walk mm-hmm. them through. Oh, I, you know what we didn't ask you? How long does each each little session take? Um, so the last time we played it, it was about two hours. Okay. And so, um, okay. yeah, it wasn't it wasn't horrible. You know, it wasn't right. an hour though. But yeah, it was about. But, it was so about that's why hours. you're looking at that seven plus. But the books themselves don't take that long, right? No, the books are really somewhat right. short and quick. Yeah. And there's some, is it sort of choose your adventure type thing where you're, you make some decisions? Quick storybook, yeah. Just a quick mm-hmm. storybook, yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, that's it. BJ from Morgan Gumbo. I've got my guests here, Dan Lettering. We're talking some of the spicy odd games from his company that are coming out. One of the ones that it's funny, Steve and I were talking before the show that we had heard on a different podcast, The Dukes of Dice. He was talking about Squire for Hire, and then you wanted to talk about it tonight. So, perfect yeah, yeah. little, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting that, a little serendipity. What is Squire for Hire? I know a little bit about it, but I've never played it. So it's an 18-card game, right? That's all there are for components is 18 mm-hmm. cards. And it's a tile-laying game where you're a squire and you're just trying to pack the pack for your knight. And so you got to mm. use junk. Some knights like different items better than others. And you get adjacency bonuses. So it's all about how you you know lay your tiles and you get your items paired with each other. And so we just are releasing... Um, so we, on Kickstarter earlier this year, funded Mystic Runes, which is a standalone expansion. Um, you sure. can play that or the base game or mix them together. And um, it just adds a few extra twists like the runes and new squires. And we actually just released an app. So there's now an app available for Squire Fire. Oh, wow. You can play in iOS, yeah. So that was exciting. That's our first time doing that. So it was really... So we, you know, in most games, we're the big adventurer. We're out there to uh, save the kingdom, right? But this is the squire that's working with the adventurer, correct? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cute because it's like, yeah, you're just trying to do your best to help this knight do, do his thing. And uh, But what's really neat, John, so this is designed and illustrated by John Merchant, and he did a lot of work behind these. And what he did that I think is amazing for 18 cards is every card that you, you, so you saw the cards with the items, the quests you're trying to fulfill are on the back and they're like a story. So it'll, and they all relate to the items you have. So it'll be like, Oh, um, you're trying to pass this bridge. You can either use your weapons or, um, spend some money, right. To get past them. Right. So you're either going to like try and bribe your way past someone or fight them. Right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And so, so it, it prompts you and it's really like, do you have these items on your card? And it, but like, it gives you that feel of this quest you're going on. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's really neat how, how much you did that. But if you don't want to read it, you can just kind of look at the cards and flip through it too. Right. Like you have that option. Sure. So, so it's, it's really great how much story he added to it for just these 18 cards. It's really, you know, he did a good job with that. 
Take a look at this. I uh, I found this on the website, uh, Steve. Our friend Eric Kirko, he says, if yeah. you're looking for a quick game that will challenge your spatial reasoning skills, he recommends Squire for Hire. Another fun entry in a surprisingly broad genre of games. And, and he's right. He's talking about how designers are just taking 18 cards and yet making these big games. Steve, I think the one you always talk about is uh, Sprawlopolis, right? Sprawlopolis or yeah. Circle the Wagons. Those Circle are wagons. just yeah. genius in 18 cards. Yeah, and yeah. you and you guys have pulled that off with this, uh, with with just eighteen cards. But but the laying you can already see from the cards themselves. There's mm-hmm. plenty of room to do the different layers, so it really acts like more and more cards than just eighteen. The way it's designed, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is Squire for Hire. Something uh, that's Mystic Runes, right? That was successfully kickstarted, correct? Yeah. So John funded Squire for Hire last year. And then this past summer, we've funded Mystic Runes together. Mystic Runes together. All right. Okay. All right. And if, you, if, if anybody wants more information, they can go to lettermangames.com and, and uh, figure out from there, right? Squire for Hire? Yep. BJ from More Game Gumball. I've got my guest here, Dan Lettering. Hey, Dan, this is a board game show, and you know what that means. What's that? I mean, we got to play a board game, right? Absolutely. we got to play a game. Yeah. <laughs> I've got my buddy here coming in. Let's see if he's ready. Spencer. Hello, BJ, Thanks, Steve, and Dan. How's it going? Good, how are you? Well, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Spencer's from the Lighten Up Initiative. Do we know Sagan tonight? Uh, his name is Segan, and Segan, uh, sorry. that's fine. Uh, I guess not. I think he might be otherwise occupied. But, yes, uh, my co-host, Segan, and I are hosting a podcast called Board Games Are Fun. <laughs> and they are, right? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe no one's taking that title, Spencer. Right. No, one's had, no one's had that title. I'm telling you, it's this brain right here. That's, That's all it took. Games are fun. <laughs> yep. Easy to remember. Yeah, so they've got a great podcast, Board Games Fun. It's, a, it's actually in video format. You can watch them chat, and you also push it out to all the different services, right? Right. Well, we started just doing audio, and then this last one we recorded last week, we thought to do it on video and actually did it with a live chat so that during the different segments, people could chime in, ask questions, maybe answer some of our questions that we don't know the answer to. And it was really successful. So I think we're going to start doing that from now on. Very good. So, Steve, we need to get Spencer and Segan on the show. Yep. And then my buddy Sagan from Southern Board Game Fest. <laughs> and then we can really mix me up when we're talking to Segan and Sagan and Spencer and Steve. <laughs> yep. And I'm, my head is just going to go, I will not be able to handle that. That is uh, that's going to be tough. Worth it to do it just for that reason. Yeah. All right. Thanks, All right. I invited Spencer to come on the show to, to help us out with Dan because, Spencer, uh, we have a problem. We have been losing at the Omni game a lot. <laughs> we really have. So I'm hoping your, your big brain, that creative brain that you have, you can help us crack the code of Dan Lettering. But just in case anybody hasn't seen the show tonight, uh, before tonight, Steve, tell everybody how we're going to play the Omni game. Sure. We're going to play the Omni game, and we told Dan beforehand that he's going to have to think of a game, not tell us. Uh, and we're going to have to play kind of like 20 questions, but it's knowing us going to be more like 40 questions if we ever get there, uh, to try and figure out what game he's thinking about. It could be the one that he's really jonesing to play or if he, you know, a grail game he wants or had the perfect situation, what would you sit down and play right now? You have one in mind, Dan? I do. It's actually, I picked the last game I've played. So. Ooh, ah, interesting. Ah. Okay. 
Oh, so no, no going to Twitter. No, no, going no, no. To Twitter. We're going right. to ask questions live, but we'll also pay attention to the chat crew. And uh, it's kind of a race between the chat crew and the three of us to try and figure things out or for Dan to play, you know, four corners and stall it out and, and take the game. <laughs> no, keep the game moving. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's going to just, he's just going to wear us out. We can't get there and he's going to spread the defense and just, you know, make us, make us wait. Awesome. Speak. Speaking of chat crew, Evan says, so Spencer, now he can't start his podcast. Fun games. I'm bored. No, it's already yep. taken. It's already taken. Those words are already taken. So. Yep, that's right. You know what? In fact, you can't use meeple or board game. What, what are some, <laughs> you can't use any of those things, yeah. right? I mean, board <laughs> yeah. games are fun and pile of games and little things like that that just get right to it. Tell you what you All got. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, you got the rules for the game? Yeah. First question. Okay. And I always ask this one, is it a competitive or, co- or a cooperative game? And based on tonight's conversation, I'm going to guess it's competitive. It's competitive. Yes. It's competitive. Right. Wait, aren't these so, yes or no questions? It, it's not really yes or no. Because we've got to keep the show Why are you moving. asking me again, BJ? <laughs> so I'm going to go, it's competitive. Okay. And that narrows it okay. down to only about 105,000 games. Spencer. So we're okay. really getting close. Okay. Good start, PJ. Good start. All right. Spencer, what you got? Was it released in the last three months? No. Ooh. Evan's got a guess. He says Cosmic Encounter. Right off the bat. Wow. He doesn't like space games. <laughs> I already said I hate things in space. Sorry. Steve, what you got? Um, would you say that it's a highly thematic game? No. Okay. Ooh, interesting. Dean wants to know if it's card based or is it more board game based? Which board card? What do you think? I think it has to be a yes or no question. <laughs> he's not. He's it's taken a, over this the, is the Avi game. It's <laughs> this is the Avi game. We we can't step on where words because that's card. copyrighted, right? Oh, fair. What did he say? It is not card based. It's not Ooh, card-based. Dean. Kelly wants okay. to know, are there dice in this game? Yes. By the way, Steve, I think Dan wants to win. Yeah, well, he's not, he's <laughs> he really not playing around. <laughs> no, I okay, so you, not, yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you after. There are dice. Kelly says there are dice, Kelly, so that, that's narrowing it down. Spencer, you got a question? Does it come in a square box? Mm. No. Hmm. I think Spencer's taking Beth Sobel's place. In terms of interesting Most questions, interesting that, questions. That's a really good question, Steve. That's not here, so I would want to. I guess we should ask one of her, you know, patented yes. questions. Is is this a game that if it was a person, you'd want to be friends with it? <laughs> <laughs> that's a Beth Sobel special. Maybe. You made you made the Beth Sobel look. Yep, probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Okay. Really, I don't know how to answer that with this. Uh, it's a great question. She always asks that. Um, is the designer an American? I got to Google that. Mm. Steve did mention the Have Board Game Geek handy, Dan. It's true. I know. I do. I have the page open right here. Dean wants to know if it's thematic. I think I Steve think asked that. He said no. Not terribly. Not terribly. Yeah. I haven't. We all could use more Beth in our lives. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I totally agree. Um, I don't, Spencer, you got a question? I don't think so. No, I don't think the designer doesn't is. think it's American. So, a quick recap: we, we we don't know how recently it was made, but we know that it was very recently played. Um, yes, that it, is not it's American. Not. It's got dice. You'd say it's not card based, 
It's not terribly thematic. You wouldn't really want to be friends with it. We haven't <laughs> narrowed down much more than that, have we? And it's not space-themed, right? Did you say that? <laughs> we know what it's not. It's not in a square box. <laughs> not in a square it's box, not. right. Not in a square mm-hmm. box. Thank you, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Um, but not thematic oh. and competitive. Ooh. It was the lead question. The big question was competitive. Do you have a question, Spencer? Uh, I'm thinking of one. Does it... Is it considered kind of a mathy game? No. I was thinking, you know, the power grid weird box. Mm-hmm. No, not, it's not that one. There's, Steve or Spencer? Oh, there here we go. Dice. Earl's got a good one. Oh, that's Has a good it one. won an award? Yes. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Um, Bradley wants dice. to know, is it a dice-based version of another game? I will even tell you on BGG, it has under awards and honors, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten listed. Wow. Mm. Okay. So. so Bradley wants to know, is it a dice-based version of another game? No. That's a good question, no, so too. It's, mm-hmm. So it's not Istanbul the dice game or something like that. Oh, I like this question. Dean wants to know, could an African swallow carry the box? Well, it could hold on to the husk, couldn't it? <laughs> um, you do it, Dean. He's going Python. I know. Um, <laughs> he's doing Monty Python. Oh, I like that. Um, I don't think that's correct. It's not Banana Grams the Dice game. <laughs> no. Dean wants to know if it's Roll for the Galaxy. No, 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 Dean. Spencer, that was asked, Spencer asked about it being recent, but maybe we can go back a little bit further. Has it been? Would you say that has it been published in the last five years? Older. No. Oh, okay. Dean wants to know if Nirvana, if Nirvana designed it. <laughs> no. no, no, Nirvana did not design it. Okay, no. sorry that. Does oh, it? Oh. Go ahead, Spencer. Does it uh, heavily fo- focus on dice? Heavily are dice used quite a bit in the game? Mm-hmm. Yes. Bradley Brad, wants to know. Brad is asking. That's a good roll the dice because you know that Beyond the Sun game we talked about. You never actually roll the dice. You just use them. Right. You do roll the dice every turn. Every turn. So and he said, "Dice not die." Right? Oh, Nicholas, you just beat me to it. I was thinking that because that's that's not terribly. It's trying to be thematic, but I don't know that it is. No, it's not. Not true. Wonder if it has mm. some sort of Yahtzee mechanism in it. Well, that's a good question. Oh, good question. Does it have a Yahtzee style mechanism in it? Define what you would call a Yahtzee style mechanism. You roll, then choose something to keep. Okay, that and part then- of it. It does not. Um, so you need there's no re-rolling. No re-rolling. Oh, okay. Right. I, I guess what, it, that's what yep. it, does it have a shoe and an iron in it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no poodles either. Or no poodles. Yeah, ah. Oh, I like this one. Is it Castles of Burgundy? Mm-mm. No. 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 That's definitely not an American design. All Is right. the designer someone whose name most gamers would recognize? I don't think so. I, I, okay, so I don't. So we're not talking a Boza or, or a, a Cathala. Cathala also gets rid of Feld and his dicey things. And yeah, yeah, not Feld. You know, we keep thinking it's European, but we haven't actually said Sorry. that. Sorry. Yes. Yes, you would recognize the designer, I think. Um, 
Okay. Well, so the thing is, this designer, how do I get this? They have a handful of games. They're like a couple big ones, but they're like popular big, not big, big. But um, yeah. Are there multiple designers on the game? Is there a single designer or is it a team? All right. You know, let's let's recap here. We've got we've got a non-American designer that won a lot of awards that's got dice based and they've had some relatively big big enough hits to where we would recognize us gamers would recognize the names. I don't know if you'd recognize I mean you'd know the games for sure. Mm, Okay. mm. And it's not in a square box. It's not. That's that's the key one. That Spencer. That's going to bring us home. That's going to be the one that clinches it. That will be it. Yeah. I mean, think he would have played Castles of Tuscany. No, he said older than he said older than five years. That's brand new. Older than five years. Mm -hmm. Older than five years. Dice and lots of dice being rolled. Yeah. Uh, Every every turn. Burla's got a good question about like maybe let's try to narrow down time frame. Is it a game that could be played in an hour? Less. Less. Okay, so it's not Settlers of Catan. It's not Catan. Even though you roll a dice on every turn. But he said lots of dice. He was was making it sound like there's handfuls of dice that you're rolling each turn. You know, Istanbul was 2014. Is there dice in there or is that just in the dice dice version? I don't remember if there's any dice in there. I don't think there. Spencer, you got a question? He's been describing it. I don't think that's what I mean. Is it in the top 200 games on BGG? Good question. I gotta look at that. Interesting. That's a good question. Man, I feel like top, top 200. Top 200? No. Role, role players, not role, player, role players within the last five years. Yeah. Right, Steve? Yeah, I think yeah. role player is a great game, but it yeah. is not role player. Sure. He's going to make us Steve? ask that as a yes no question, probably, Kelly. <laughs> is, it, is it a euro? Do you no. consider it a euro? Uh, no. But not terribly thematic, though. Right. right. Not a euro, not terribly thematic. Not terribly thematic. Holy man. Nick wants to know if it's Favor of the Pharaoh? No. Mm. No. Bang he's, the he's bullet. He's also saying short, though, too. I don't, is there dice in Bang? Bang Someone the dice can there are there's bang the dice game. It is not bang the dice game. Yeah. Someone asked how many dice are rolled. I can answer that. There are okay. six dice. Six dice. Dean wants to know if he's played it before. Has Dean played it before? <laughs> I think so. Are there many other components than just the dice? N- not many. There is some. Other things, yes, but not is, not much. Is it a rolling right? It might be, yes. Is it Gonshan Clever? No, no. Not it would have to be older than that, though, too, though. Because yeah, I'm trying to remember when the original Gonsh, Gonsh, uh, twenty. Let's see. Did Did you right. say whether it was one or two people, or is it a single designer? Someone guessed it in the chat. Quicks. Quicks. Is it Quicks? Quicks. Oh, wow. Nicely nice job, done. Dean. Well done, Dean. Had you played it, Dean? Did that give it away that you had played it before? I know, right? Was that the golden answer? You, you know what's funny? Is that this was the very <laughs> first answer 
Evan said quicks of Finlandberg. Changed it, but then I just scrolled past and no one mentioned it, and I was like, "Cool." Yeah, I, I thought he was. I thought it was a jokey joke. Uh, answer, Evan. If if that yeah. was if you were trying to make a joke, I get it. But if that was his guest, that was wow, right <laughs> off the bat. I mean, so, yeah. What? So actually, right before bed tonight, we played Potion Explosion, me and the kids, and mm-hmm. and then Quicks. Cool. And it's a fun one. It's quick. It's Dana, nice. I'm sorry, Evan's taking credit. He says <laughs> I said that. Ages ago. I'm going to call shenanigans on Evan if he, you know, if you, you tack on the of Fiddlenburg and I don't think, it, you know. <laughs> well, that's why, right? That's why no one yeah. noticed that. But so the designer, I, I mean, I didn't know his name, but he also did the game, right? It's you know, the Stephen game. Bendorf, right? It's, uh, yeah. Stephen Bindor, right? Yeah. yeah so I and he's know. got a new game out right now, I think. Um, From uh, Pandasaurus. He's got a brand new game out at Eshin. Did he do? Uh, he didn't do Ohanami, did he? Yeah, Ohanami. That's yeah. it. Yeah. It's kind of game like. I've got that one supposedly coming from um, Miniature Market soon. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna have to give it to Evan there. Sorry, oh. Dean. That's, I'm telling you, that's, uh, that's. I mean, I'm looking at things. He had a lot of jokey joke questions, <laughs> but wow, that that is. That is the. I think he got it. We just missed it, man. Not bad at all. That's Evan, maybe Evan, never happened. Evan's laughing when he says, "Ha ha, I win." <laughs> that doesn't I sound mean, like a real effort to take credit for a win. There, Evan posted that before we did any questions. That was unbelievable. I, I mean, that was crazy. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that is when we started. All right, so that is on V. We've got a little controversy here. We're not quite sure whether it's Dean. You know, Dan, I'm going to let you have the last word. Is it Dean or is it Evan? You make the call. Which one is it? So I'm going to have to say Dean did it based on actually what we were talking about. Evan just was <laughs> guessing random stuff and did it just making up funny names. So I think I'm going to have to give it to Dean on this one. Okay, well, nicely done. Yeah, congrats, I, I think I tend to agree. The All right, so Spencer, back to Meepletown. Yeah, it goes back to the the trophy goes back to Meeple Town based on the shenanigans. Spencer, before we let you go and close out the show, tell everybody about your your podcast and what you and uh, Segan are doing. That's correct. Um, I keep wanting to say Segan from Southern Board Game Fest. <laughs> so Segan's my friend for uh, for several years now, and uh, got him into board gaming, and um, we just were really good friends, and we just wanted to talk about how much fun board games are and um, why we like them and the way the kinds of experiences that we have whenever we play. And, um, Cause we don't live in the same town. We don't play together very often. Um, but it's just a good time. Us talking about different topics. And um, if you want to just listen to people chat and then now join in on the conversation, when we do it live, check out board games are fun. You can find it on any podcast platform and also will be on youtube live on the lighten up initiative and that is every other wednesday so not this wednesday but next wednesday at 8 p.m central time well thanks for helping us we still didn't win even though we brought we tried to bring the ringer in spencer but we'll be seeing you next season i think you and segan are becoming coming on so yes forward to it better better be coming on Sounds good. check out the light the uh, lighten up initiative if you want some good funny wholesome content out there Spencer and Laura Williams, some of our favorite people. So thanks for coming in, Spencer. Thanks for having me. See you, Spencer. Bye-bye. Well, Steve, we tried but uh, bringing in the ringer, but Dan was just too tough, too good. He really wanted to win this thing. Well, I thought that would be a good one. Yeah, that was that was a really good one, and I, I actually enjoyed the questions. Steve, I'm I'm oh actually yeah I'm gonna um 
I think I got room for you. So let me leave okay. you up there for a second. Cool. Yeah, let me leave it up. And that was our uh, game time presented by the Game Crafter Blu-ray game that, uh, that Gumbo has now. Our friend Carlos has put it together. Check out the Game Crafter. You can see that. And I want to thank Spencer for coming in from Board Games Are Fun podcast. All right, board gamers, that's it for another episode of Gumbo Live. Hey, uh, Dan, if anybody has any questions, I want to thank you for coming in. But if anybody has any questions about some of the games we talked about coming out with Letterman Games, uh, they can always catch you on the podcast, of course. But if they want to find you, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, usually Twitter. I'm pretty active on there and responsive to everybody. Um, so on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Letterman Games. And so you can find me on any of them. And I am responsible on all of them. But Twitter, usually, I mean, I'm really accessible there. So that's the easiest. Make sure to like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Gumbo, and our YouTube channel. It helps us to get the word out about all of our upcoming shows, including next week. You might know who it is next week. His name is Ian Zhang, and he's going to be on what? next week. Yeah, what serendipity. Ian, and this was planned months ago. Ian and Aaron Wilson are coming in to talk about gravitation, gravitation games. games. Yeah. Absolutely. So I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Don't forget, That's Thursday right. night. Thursday night, if you, you're not going to worry about me messing up anything. It's going to be Bradley doing some painting of some <laughs> figures from our friends at WizKids Games who sent us some. And uh, he's, going, he's doing gumbo paint night this Thursday, a couple of days from now, 9 o'clock p.m. I am BJ from Board Game, Board Game Gumbo, Dan. And until next time, les les bon temps roulés. Thanks for listening. Gumbo Live is produced by BJ Rosa and the name father, Steve O'Rourke, with editing by Sean Jones. You can find more Board Game Gumbo content by checking out our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter feed at Board Game Gumbo. Or visit the Board Game Gumbo blog at BoardGameGumbo.com. Hi, this is Eric Buscemi, popping in to let you know about a continuing interview series I've been doing on the Punchboard Media website called In Focus, Perspectives, and Board Gaming. I've been interviewing people that work in all different facets of the board game industry, such as designers Nikki Valens and Daniel Salas, artists Fernanda Suarez and Beth Sobel, board game publishers Anne-Marie DeWitt and Shari Spiro, and many other people with unique industry perspectives. Check out our interviews on the Punchboard Media website, www.punchboardmedia.com, where a new one is posted every Wednesday afternoon.